Today on Daily Hope with Pastor Rick Warren, we continue in our riveting journey through the series, The Invisible War. In it, we'll explore the unseen world of good and evil and see how it impacts our day-to-day existence. Join us for eye-opening biblical insights into the spiritual dimensions that influence our lives in ways we never imagined. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part two of a message called, Winning the Battle Inside Me. The fourth thing that happens, when I don't know how to fight the battle, then I keep losing, and along comes, number four, self-condemnation. And oh, some of you have gotten really good at this. You're a pro at putting yourself down. You're a pro at condemning yourself. And because you keep stumbling in the same area over and over and over, I still lose my temper. I still say those mean things. I still have those thoughts. I still do. And you start going, I'm no good. I'm worthless. I'm junk. Why should I call myself a Christian? God must hate me. God's mad at me. Blah, 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 and all those other things. And you start condemning yourself. That's the inevitable sign that you're in this spiritual battle. Verse 18, Paul says, I know I'm rotten inside as far as my old sinful nature is concerned. Now, who told him that? He's telling himself that. He's he's putting himself down. He's condemning himself. And that is a mark of when you have habitual areas that you keep falling in over and over. I want to keep, how many resolutions have you made that you didn't keep? A lot. And then you start putting yourself down and just do the self-condemnation. That leads to number five, frustration. And this is a mark of a Christian trying to live on their own power instead of God's power. You get frustrated. Paul says this in the next verse, verse 18. He says, you know, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Now, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's plain where the trouble is. Sin has me in its evil grasp. Now, the Bible calls this the law of sin. And the law of sin is the spiritual counterpart to the physical law of gravity. They both pull you down. Gravity pulls you down. Gravity loads you down. Gravity actually ages you because it's wearing on on your body. And as I said last week, if you're down there and I'm up here, it's always easier for you to pull me down than for you, me to pull you up. This is the law of gravity in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, it is the law of sin, which means it's always easier to be pulled down and do the wrong thing than it is to be pulled up and do the right thing. Happens all the time. And, and that law is trying to keep you down. Now. Let's say I want to ignore the law of gravity, and I say, I'm going to fly. I'm going to be the first human being to fly. So I go out and I start flapping my wings, you know, my hands up and down. I can flap as hard as I want, as long as I want. I'm never getting off the ground. Why? Because the law of gravity is stronger than my human ability to fly. The same is true in a spiritual realm. When I try to do the right thing simply by willpower, I'm just flapping my wings. I'm not gonna get off the ground. I may get off the ground for a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month, and then after a while, I'm going off the Daniel plan. Or I'm going back to my smoking. Or I'm going back to my pornography. Or I'm going back to 
yelling at the kids. Or, and, and, and when I try to change by willpower, I pretty soon get tired and I give up and I stop flapping. You're not gonna beat the law of gravity physically and you're not gonna beat the law of sin spiritually. It's gonna cause frustration in your life. And Paul says, I am so frustrated. Let me read you a great theological piece by Arnold LaBelle. Now actually, he's not a theologian, he's a children's book writer. And uh, when my kids were little, if you've ever had preschoolers, you probably know the series of books called Frog and Toad Together. And I used to read them to my kids, and one of my favorite stories to my kids was this story called Cookies, Frog and Toad. Toad baked some cookies. These cookies smell really good, said Toad. And he ate one, and they tasted even better, he said. So Toad ran over to Frog's house. Frog, Frog, cried Toad, taste these cookies that I've made. Frog ate one of the cookies. These are the best cookies I have ever eaten, said Frog. So Frog and Toad ate many, many cookies, one after another. You know, Toad, said Frog, with his mouth full, I think we should stop eating. We will soon be sick. You are right, said Toad. Let us eat one last cookie. <laughs> and then we will stop. So Frog and Toad ate one last cookie. But there were very many cookies still left in the bowl. Frog said, Toad, let us eat one very last cookie. <laughs> and then we will stop eating cookies. Frog and Toad ate one very last cookie. We must stop eating, cried Toad as he ate another. <laughs> yes, said Frog, reaching for a cookie. We need willpower. What is willpower, asked Toad. Frog said, willpower is trying hard not to do something that you really want to do. You mean like trying not to eat all these cookies, asked Toad. Right, said Frog. So Frog put the cookies in a box. There, said Frog, now we will not eat any more cookies. But we can open the box, said Toad. <laughs> this is true. So Frog tied some string around the box. There, he said, now we will not eat any more cookies. Toad said, but we can cut the string and open the box. That is true, said Frog. So Frog got a ladder, and he put the box up high on a shelf. There, said Frog, now we will not eat any more cookies. But Toad said, we can climb the ladder and take the box down from the shelf and cut the string and open the box. That is true, said Frog. So Frog climbed up the ladder and he took the box down from the shelf and he cut the string and he opened the box and Frog took the box outside and threw all of the cookies out and he shouted in a loud voice, hey birds, hey birds, here are free cookies. Birds came from everywhere. They picked up all the cookies in their beaks and they flew away. Now, we have no more cookies, said Frog, but we have lots and lots of willpower.
You may keep it all, frog, said Toad. I'm going home now to bake a cake. <laughs> the great theology of frog and toad. Now, how many times have you played frog and toad with something you thought, I'm not going to do it anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore, I'm not going to do it anymore, and then you do it. This is the frustration, and it always leads to number six, which is discouragement and despair. Paul gets so discouraged from this war going on inside him, and he says it seems to be a fact of life. In other words, I'm, I'm giving up on this. Seems to be a fact of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. And in my mind, notice this is a mental battle. The battle's going on in your mind. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. He said, I feel like giving up. I'm in a battle and I'm losing and I'm feeling hopeless. And it causes these six things in my life. Now next, Paul discusses not the cost of the battle, but the cause. And what is the cause of this battle that's going on in you? you write this down. The reason is I have two natures. You actually have two natures inside of you. You have your old nature, which you were born with, and you have the new nature that was given to you when you trusted in Christ, when you were born again, when you became a believer. And this new nature wants to do the right thing, but you still have the old nature inside of you. And these two natures are in constant conflict with each other, and that's the cause of the battle. You have two natures, not one, two natures inside of you. In verse 21, Paul says this, I love to do God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me. My lower nature, that's my old nature. The Bible often calls it my flesh, or it calls it my carnal self, or calls it the old man. These are synonyms for the old nature. There's something else deep within me, my lower nature, that is at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Now, even though I'm a Christian, my old nature is still alive. And I hate to tell you this, but you're gonna live with it the rest of your life. You don't get rid of your old nature until you go to heaven. When you became a follower of Christ, he gave you a new nature and a new ability to do the right thing. But that's at war with the old you. And sometimes you feel like, I feel like there's two me's inside of me. I heard about an old Indian chief who was a Christian and he was trying to explain this war between the new natures uh, to his son, and he said, it's like two dogs in my mind in battle together. There's a good dog and there's a bad dog and they're fighting it out. And, and the young son said, uh, well, dad, which one wins? He said, whichever dog I feed the most. And that's gonna be true in your life, whether you feed your old nature or feed your new nature. But even though I'm a believer, and I've walked with the Lord for in, in a long time, I still have my old nature in me, which wants to be prideful, which wants to be self-centered, which wants to gossip, to lie or steal, or make myself better, or you know, exaggerate, or whatever. That old nature is still there. And, and the lust and the gossip and the lie and all, all that stuff's there. Now let me tell you why the problem is your problem. Because willpower is not enough to defeat 
your old nature. And if you think that you can change simply by wanting to change or by learning about change, it isn't gonna happen. It'll happen for a little while, but then you're gonna get tired and you're gonna stop flapping. Knowing what to do is not enough to change you. If it was, I would never have to repeat a sermon topic. You'd get it, you'd change in that area, and then we'd just go on to something else. But just because you know the right thing to do does not mean you do it. The next verse says this, so you see how it is, Paul says, my new life tells me to do right, but my old nature that's still inside me loves to sin. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Circle that phrase, terrible predicament. In, in the original Greek, it literally means the exhaustion of hard work. It means being worn out after an intense battle. It means you're out of energy. You're wiped out, you're fatigued, you're frustrated. You feel like a failure. It's Paul's cry of agony says, I need relief, I need help. Now this is not a pretty picture. Romans seven is the picture of a defeated, struggling Christian. And finally, he falls on his face and he, out of exhaustion. And Paul goes, what's the cure? And then he tells us. And he says, God's pl battle plan for victory. And he tells us what the plan is. Now, this plan is all in chapter eight. And we're gonna cover all of that next week. And I can't share it all in one, one week because it's too much material. But let me get you started on a couple of advanced steps on how you start to win the battle going on inside you. You do three things initially, and then we'll cover all of the material next week. The first thing I need to do, God's battle plan for winning the battle inside me, is I must deepen my understanding of Christ. Now you already know Christ, it's you've got to deepen your understanding of Christ and what he did for you on the cross. Now, we're not talking about being an unbeliever here. You're, you're a believer. Paul is a believer here. Jesus is already in you. In fact, that's why you have this battle. If you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't have this battle. Why? Because you'd only have one nature. And if you only got one nature, your old nature, you just go ahead and do whatever you please and do the wrong thing and you don't even care about it. So a non-believer does not have this battle going on in them because they don't have the good nature battling with the old nature. They just got the old nature that says, do whatever you want to do. So the fact that you've got Jesus in you uh, is what's causing the battle. But having Christ in you is not enough. He doesn't just want to be resident in your life. He wants to be president in your life. He doesn't want to just take up space. He wants to be in charge. He wants to be the Lord of your life. What does that mean, Lord? It means he's the CEO. He's the boss. He's calling the shots. He's, he's the chairman of the board. He wants you to put a sign over you that says, under new management. That's what it means to have Jesus as the president of your life, under new management. But the first step is I have to deepen my understanding of Jesus Christ, I, he's in my life, but I gotta know more about him. Romans seven, verse 24 and 25, who will free me from this life? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin? Thank God, the answer is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Now, I want you to circle the phrase dominated by sin. This is an amazing uh, phrase here. In the original Greek, it is literally, who will free me from this body of death? This body of death. And Paul is giving a striking illustration here that you wouldn't understand unless you knew what was going on in the Roman Empire. Because in those days, one of the punishments for murdering somebody was sometimes they would chain the body of the person you murdered to you. And you had to walk around with that person until they decayed and fell off. And instead of putting you in jail, they would chain the person you murdered and took their life, and that body of death would be chained to you which means everywhere you go, you're carrying around the memory of your sin. And you wake up each morning and the stench is unbearable. And wherever you go, you have to drag that body with you. That's the phrase Paul is using here in the Greek when he says, who's gonna free me from this body of death? That's keeping, it, it's stinking. Now I want you to notice on that phrase, circle the word who. He says, who will free me? He doesn't say what, because the answer to the battle in you is not a principle, it's not a program, it's not a pill, it's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, what'll free me from all these hangups I've got in my life? He says, who will free me? The answer is that only God can free you, Jesus Christ. Who will free me from this decaying life I've got? Paul says, I'm at the end of my rope. He's been talking now for verse after verse. I'm at the end of my rope, and at the end of his rope, he gets a flash of hope. And he says, oh, I got it. Thank God. He just blurts it out. Thank God. The answer is in what Jesus did. He says, the answer is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, it's not enough just to say Jesus is the answer to all your problems. I want to know how. How is he the answer to all my problems? So you're going to have to come back next week for that. <laughs> because I can't go through the eight reasons, the uh, things that Jesus did for you that are in Romans chapter 8. We're going to go in that. But the first thing you've got to do is you've got to learn to deepen my understanding of Christ. You're listening to Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We're so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. Why is everything in life so hard? Why does the right thing often feel like a battle? It's because every day there's a spiritual war raging all around you. Here's Pastor Rick to tell you more. You know, we all face temptations every day. It's a spiritual battle that takes place inside us, and it makes us vulnerable particularly if we don't know how to fight it. To overcome temptation is absolutely essential that you know the tactics that Satan uses to trip us up. And it's vital to learn the biblical defenses that God gives us. He has told us in his word how to handle and how to manage the attacks of Satan. Now, in order to help you learn how to respond to the predictable patterns that Satan uses to tempt you, I've created a study kit called The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation. This kit, The Invisible War, Winning the Battle of Temptation, includes a DVD with seven different sessions, 
and a simple booklet that'll help you learn how to overcome and defeat temptation in your life. You really need this. In the series, I will teach you the three kinds of temptation, God's antidote to temptation, and even how to avoid temptation in the first place. It is a study guide that you can use by yourself, but you'll actually get more out of it if you'll gather a small group of friends together and study it together as a small group. Now, I want to send you the Invisible War Winning the Battle for Temptation Study Kit as my gift to say thanks for your support of Daily Hope with your financial gift. You know, we can't do this without you. And your generosity helps us take the hope of Christ into places all around the world and now to places that have no Bible, no believer, and no body of Christ. Go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy. That's PastorRick.com. Or you can just text the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. That's the word HOPE to 800-600-5004. And thanks so much for your support. Be sure to join us next time as we look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.